We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Diggs. Touchdown. It's time to talk NFL injuries, and that, of course, leads to fantasy football rosters. And Sean, it may lead us to breakdown in tears during this podcast. Hopefully, that does not happen. But the season for injuries has been brutal i think that's the word i'll use for it it has been tough as we've moved through but week 11 seems like it may have done the most damage overall obviously we have kyle pitts out for an indefinite amount of time basically i would expect we probably shut down for the season after his initial stint on ir which is at least four games but he has torn his mcl somebody who was starting to progress into a spot where it really felt like we were going to see him truly break out as a rookie and really be a fantasy asset down the stretch was Wendell Robinson he tore his ACL on Sunday Sean when we did our recap show late Sunday night for you early Monday morning for me you know it felt like it could be serious but it didn't seem like the initial reports were as concerned but the news came out obviously that ends his season which is very very sad and of course all these injuries we come back to the players themselves them missing the time their careers how they recover Obviously, we're only covering it from a the fantasy football element of it, but our thoughts go to those players. But Sean, then, you know, the news keeps coming, and that's Justin Fields, who I mentioned on that show, had a shoulder injury. It's a separated shoulder, it seems like. Could potentially be a shoulder dislocation. Seems to be day-to-day, but could also, and they haven't been able to rule it out, could be potentially season-ending. So we're hoping for more positive news as this, as this week goes along and that it isn't that case. So it could be a case he plays this Sunday and plays the rest of the season. It could be a case that his season could be shut down which as we've seen over the last four to five weeks him continue to break out look electric as a rusher let's hope that's not the case Sean and then we'll try and add in some positive elements as we go through today's show we recap some of these games positive news is Jameson Williams has been you know destined to return back to the field uh, in terms of his injury reserve status he obviously hasn't played since his injury in college with his knee but we're hoping that we see him back for the Lions and, and look really good when he is back and active. But Sean, I mentioned their three players, Wendell Robinson. Obviously, we talked about him on the recap. Justin Fields, Sean, was somebody we had in the must-draft category. And this would be brutal if, uh, if it does lead to be season in. Yeah, it would. <laughs> the, I mean, at a certain point, you do end up kind of at a loss for words. The 
49ers Arizona Cardinals game starts That's on Monday one, night yeah. football with Rondell Moore <laughs> taking a pitch and getting tackled in the backfield for a significant loss pretty poorly designed play to start the game and is also injured there you can immediately tell that he's holding his groin and once someone does that they're more or less done so if you went into the game with a less than 0.6 point lead playing rondell moore or if you were in a game where maybe you need three points or two points or something to that effect obviously you don't get there either but I know what you're going to say. Right. I mean, you don't there. get there either. That's you could always potentially a have lost while being in the lead. Yeah. I, you can, you can always, the player can always score zero. We've seen zeros from some relatively surprising spots this year. That would be frustrating. You mentioned Colin, that you'd actually seen it. I was going to say that within the vast constellation of fantasy leagues out there, there are actually quite a few players who lost on that play because there are just so many leagues, so many formats. And in a lot of them, you would actually have pretty serious incentive to score more points. And so you are not in a position to simply bench someone because you have this tiny fraction of a lead going into Monday Night Football. This injury really a microcosm of the entire season. You, You get a player who's injured on the first play. You have one of these soft tissue injuries where it's kind of hard to figure out how the preparation isn't better. I think that the football is extremely frustrating because it seems like a sport where the players don't have the the levels of fitness and mobility that is required to consistently play their sport. That injury, obviously, Kadarius Tony goes out of the Kansas City Chiefs game. But this is frustrating within the context of just everything that has happened this season, obviously Rondell Moore to have this injury in the midst of his breakout, I think is frustrating in a variety of ways. Number one, he's going to be very highly started in this game because he has played so well the past couple of weeks. You now have the specter of Marquise Brown coming back. And even though not necessarily expected to be a huge overlap in the type of routes that they run, I mean, you're going to need to continue to carve out your own share of the targets it's frustrating for the Cardinals from a reality perspective because this loss more or less ends their season. It would now be surprising if the coaching staff is not fired. But from a fantasy perspective, more goes from someone who looks like he's going to be an elite player for you to where you put this on top of his rookie season. You put this on top of that stretch to start the year. Now you have another one of these injuries and fantasy managers are going to need to see a lot of extended production to trust him again. So this uh, frustrating in terms of this specific game, it's frustrating long-term in dynasty. It just very difficult. I think to see these guys go down when they'd look so good for Wondell Robinson from fantasy perspective, at least you get those points because he had a very good game here. You mentioned the career's, Tearing an ACL to start your rookie season just now sets you back all the way going forward. And the recovery from these injuries, obviously the success rates are very high, but you still miss the time. Wondell, a smaller player to where he's always going to have some of those things working against him to earn a big role in the first place. 
questions about the Giants' overall roster and whether that situation is going to be good for fantasy. These two guys, so much fun, and I think such good picks. Now, people on the other side of that equation will argue against it, but these were, I think, two of the three highest roster players that I had in underdog. For them to miss big chunks of the beginning of the season, but then to be coming on so strong at this point and to be out, you know, that, that part can't help but be a little bit frustrating. And then you mentioned Justin Fields. He is the highest rostered player that I have in underdog, and he's one of the best players you could possibly have in best ball formats. Colin, I think that the injury actually occurred on a play previous, but this is one of the reasons why, even though I felt the call at the end of the Eagles-Commanders game was probably the wrong call, I felt like the official probably could have held back the flag, used some of his personal discretion there. It was a play where the defender clearly could have stopped, should have stopped, and... (laughs) Then that brings back to this game. Justin Fields hit on a slide from behind completely unnecessarily, a flag not thrown. And not only a flag not thrown, but I think this is kind of a dirty play because you hit a guy because you think it's within the margin, even though he's sliding, it's going to be close enough. You can get a hit on a mobile quarterback. I think that was a little bit of an aggravation of an injury that he'd actually suffered in a play or two previous. That's my understanding of it. I'm not 100% sure on that. But you can see the extreme pain that Fields was in after he slides and takes that hit. Just very unfortunate. We want to protect the quarterbacks and protect all of the players. One of the injuries we didn't talk about there is the injury to Joe Mixon. Now, from our perspective, in terms of the way our rosters are set up, we're selling Mixon. We have a lot of P. Ryan. That's a great development for us from a fantasy perspective. We don't want anybody to have any type of brain injury. We want all of these guys to be as healthy as possible. The fantasy managers who had rostered Mixon and got that five touchdown game and were benefiting from their thesis playing out, which is that the Cincinnati Bengals are an incredible offense for a running back to be in. Even if the back is not good, like Joe Mixon, you still score a ton of fantasy points, which he was doing. Now they came in that one big chunk, more or less. But he misses a game, and now... It's not just the game, but potentially life is impacted with the concussion there. You have the second concussion or concern here with Matthew Stafford back in the concussion protocol. That less fantasy relevant because the Los Angeles Rams have absolutely cratered this season. But week 11 was was pretty rough. I mean, this season has been sort of a, a darkest timeline experience and experiment in so many ways. But week 11, possibly even the darkest of the dark timelines that we've gotten to experience this year. The injury to Trey Lance early, the injury to Brees Hall. For, from a historical perspective, you get that injury to Cooper Cup, which was just an absolute dagger. More this week. Now, injuries are part of every fantasy football season, This one has just been rough in terms of how many the greatness of some of the players who were hurt, the sequencing of things. We've talked a little bit about the Jerry Judy injuries at the beginning of games. And then this last week, again, you have 
Mike Williams try and come back from his high ankle sprain, catch a pass, and be injured, basically scoring just that one point. So many different ways for these games to go. It's been unfortunate, I think, and I think it, it, it is amped up and highlighted in a season where scoring is down. The quality of football is way, way down. <laughs> you think about the way, way down. this weekend, completing down. You know, one less pass than you managed to punt. You'd love to see it not further degraded by all of these injuries. And the Kyle Pitts one, I think, is interesting, too, from the perspective of Kyle Pitts has been maybe the most epic bust in fantasy football history. I mean, we're at a point where if he were to stay healthy the rest of the season, you're asking questions like, is going is Travis Kelsey going to score more touchdowns than Kyle Pitts catches passes? I mean, we're really kind of at that level. But Kyle Pitts is just one guy, and you have the entire rest of your team to draft. It's been difficult to find points, and obviously you need to find points early. And so Kyle Pitts taking one of those spots is a huge problem. And yet, if you've drafted well throughout the draft, then you could be making a playoff push. And tight end is so down, especially after some of the further developments that we've had in the past week to which where Trey McBride is this huge waiver wire pickup. I mean, I was adding guys who probably will barely even see the field on Sunday morning to try and cover for Gerald Everett everywhere. It's bleak. And so even with Pitts being this huge bust, if you can get a team with him into the playoffs, then you could still potentially have that prohibitive competitive advantage at that point. And now that no longer seems to be in play either. I mean, it, I think there's a sense of <laughs> palpable relief here for many <laughs> fantasy managers where it's just like, thank goodness, this I mean, this puts me it's out, of, my out of our hands. No. Yeah. Yeah, we still don't but I mean, there's going to be a huge downgrade from Pitts to whoever you have to now plug in. So even though it can be cathartic or what have you to no longer have to stare at that in the lineup every week, it still is a massive blow to your team. So we have some injuries here. Those things are frustrating. Column the Cardinals 49ers game last night. Not good for the, for the Arizona Cardinals. On the 49ers side, we see the breakout game from George Kittle. We see the breakout game from Debo Sanders. Both of those guys reminding everyone why they are stars and kind of reminding everyone that the 49ers have had some real issues with their play calling and execution this season, that those guys have not been a big part, have not been fantasy forces. You get Brandon Ayuk barely involved, but his bare involvement does happen to be two touchdown catches. And then another slightly disappointing game from Christian McCaffrey. Certainly if you played Elijah Mitchell, either with him, Ben and I have our best team, has both of those guys. And because of buys, I mean, week 11 was a heavy buy for the OT and ceiling bananas favorites with guys like Travis Etienne, Kenneth Walker, Raheem Mostert, those guys all out. And so you had to take some secondary steps and you play those guys together, they score about 22, which probably less than you were hoping to get from Christian McCaffrey by himself. But he catches a lot of passes. He was involved as 
a receiver again one of the reasons that i thought the compensation for him was actually fine and i believe that you know one of these teams like the bills or the chiefs probably should have gone out and paid even more is that you really have to look at mccaffrey as a receiver if you wanted to line him up as a receiver he would be clearly better than anyone the chiefs are playing at wide receiver so if you want to look at positional value just split him out and use him there a good game for the 49ers they now look like the powerhouse in the nfc west this more or less puts a nail in the in the cardinals coffin yeah it does so finishes 30 at 10 sean you did say debo sanders as you were talking there but i can forgive you because he was doing his best barry sanders impersonation as debo samuel was skirting through the end zone on that 39 yard rush attempt he has three rushes in this game for 37 yards even though the the touchdown run is a 39 yard run loses yardage on the other two but uh, another incredible incredible play by debo samuel when he has the ball in his hands on those rushing plays it is one of the most fun things to watch in the entire nfl so that was a real bright spot on this game a little bit of an interesting box score or stat line when you look through it so we have two catches for uh, brant nayuk two touchdowns 20 yards we have four catches for george kettle 84 yards two touchdowns so a little bit of a concentrated offense but you mentioned christian mccaffrey his day kind of saved by those seven receptions seven targets 67 yards going his way sean rondell moore obviously getting injured changes the game plan a little bit here the other big note is obviously that uh Kyler Murray did not play it was Colt McCoy who starts the game Trace McSorley comes in later in the game not the recipe that you want to see here for the Cardinals we get 42 rushing yards from James Conner and 14 attempts one touchdown for him Greg Darch 103 yards 10 targets nine receptions and DeAndre Hopkins continues his kind of impressive stretch where he hasn't got into the end zone here but he still totals 18 PPR points with 91 receiving yards and nine receptions but when you're given nine targets to AJ Green probably not the recipe for success in this one but they had no real other options and they do combined with the two quarterbacks throw it 44 times so 49ers easy win in the end for them here when we were talking through the disappointment sean of all the injuries i was like looking through the games that we haven't talked about this week yet and i was like where where do we go here to get the the positives <laughs> the positives going to to bring back the good vibes here as we continue the show i couldn't really decide where to go i was thinking of maybe talking about the bills but i think we'll go to the cowboys and the 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 positive for that for me sean this week was any team with tony pollard on it done quite well he has 15 carries 80 rushing yards but the big talking point for pollard is the 109 receiving yards off those six receptions he gets six targets he leads the the cowboys by a mile in this one in terms of receiving yards he has 109 next closest to cd lamb with 45 receiving yards ezekiel elliott continues to be inconsistent in his efficiency uh, or unefficient inefficient rather than inconsistent uh but that was two touchdowns that saved his day he has 15 carries for 42 yards in this one averaging 2.8 yards a carry but the vikings sean here just did not turn up nothing happens for the vikings disappointing all round what is your, your overall thoughts here and i guess tony pollard has to be the, the key focus here yeah it's so cool to see what he's doing so electric i know we keep saying this and we've been saying this for a long time sean and people are probably tired of us saying it but like look at tony pollard playing look at ezekiel elliott playing uh you know we need more tony pollard here please yeah i mean tony pollard is doing his best jamal charles impersonation and that's the kind of player you probably want to get on the field get involved the cowboys would argue that he has 
21 opportunities in this game. They don't really want him to play more than that. We'll see how the breakdown goes in games that are more competitive, in games where they need him late, in games where maybe they're not able to get 15 carries for both guys. The tricky part here, if you are a Pollard manager, is that it could be even bigger. I mean, they could give those touchdown carries to Pollard, and all of a sudden you're talking about him among the all-time greats. I mean, the Cowboys have really stumbled into a player of that level, and yet... Reluctantly stumbled into him. (laughs) Right. I mean, you're talking about having a a Barry Sanders or a Jamal Charles, and and that's exaggeration. And yet, those are the types of things that he's doing, and those are the types of things that he has been doing. When we talk about the peripherals, when we talk about the advanced stats that you can find in the Advanced Stat Explorer, and you look at the explosive runs, you look at the yards after contact, you look at the ability to make plays in the receiving game, All of this stuff has been there and been there for a while. It's not like this is some out-of-nowhere type of performance. And I think it it comes down a lot to just the preferences that offensive coordinators have and coaches have to where they want those big backs. They want to see guys thrash around. One of the reasons that there is so much talk in the analytics community about running backs being either beside the point or completely counterproductive is that even among the analytics crowd, you have this emphasis on things like broken tackles because there's a predictive element to that as opposed to focusing on creating value, creating big plays, running to daylight and being able to deploy players in the way that will help you win football games. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As you mentioned at the start, Pollard catches all six of his targets, goes over 100 yards, scores two touchdowns. That type of element brings value, allows your team to win, allows your team to deal with some of these defenses that we're seeing in 2022 that so many teams have no answer for. 
running your guy into the line and having him break a lot of tackles and then still being forced with third down after third down after third down, having to complete 15 and 20 play drives just to get a field goal or to turn over on downs after you've run eight or nine minutes off the clock, that doesn't get anything accomplished for you. And so one of the things that I love so much about Pollard here is that he again is this example of a contrarian type of play that shouldn't be contrarian, but an opportunity that still exists out there where you have a star back who creates value. You could say that Tony Pollard is one of these guys who doesn't really have low value touches because of the explosiveness that he brings to the table. He's yet another long line of small backs who are winning fantasy titles. And that kind of thing happens every single season. It's really one of the few exploitable opportunities still left in fantasy, at least from a big picture perspective. There are lots of small edges that obviously you can accumulate and have success with. But Tony Pollard, so cool to see him doing this. Colin, that's a little bit of foreshadowing as well for our next episode where we do our fantasy Thanksgiving. And and one of the things in that show that I'll be thankful for is the small running back. Sean, we're going to go rapid fire now through the next couple of games. And this is, of course, the win bet rapid fire round as we continue to go through the NFL Week 11 fixtures and how they finished up. Sign up to win bet today to receive a special sports offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download the win bet app now or go to winbet.com to start winning today. That is W-Y-N-N-Bet.com. Sean, these games are probably not the most exciting games we're going to see, but I'm going to get your thoughts on what may be the most exciting thing coming out of it. And I have one that I'm going to suggest. I'll see if you agree when we get to the end of it. But Baltimore versus Carolina was pretty much a non-event. It finishes 13-3. Not a huge amount of excitement because Baker Mayfield is back as the quarterback. Don't really get a huge amount. But Terrence Marshall Jr. continues to show some flashes that make him somebody who could be interesting as we continue to move forward he has six targets here three receptions 76 yards he's kind of the keynote there the big takeaway as well as Dante Foreman who had been on a nice little run uh, he kind of ceased that this week he has 11 carries 24 yards rushing Chuba Hubbard was back in the mix but he kind of jumped back into the the pass catching back here but he only had three targets two receptions 25 yards not a huge amount Sean to get excited about Lamar Jackson had a nilness heading into this one probably the reason for part of this performance one of his poor performances off the season so far demarcus robinson though has nine targets nine receptions and 128 yards mark andrews eight targets six receptions 63 yards so as i go through that it is pretty rapid fire not a huge amount there to get excited about washington win again they are now six and five on the season sean tyler heineke spreading that magic down there in washington the houston texans do not have any magic they really struggle in this game stealing a note from ben gretch and stealing signals for this one the texans sean ever had 148 total yards in this one ben's note after that is lol and stealing signals this week so that is not very good from the houston texans really nothing got going here we have damian pierce we talked sean about some inefficient running days on the recap show earlier this week he has 10 rush 10 rush attempts for eight yards which is it's very hard to do with a long of three in there nothing really to get hyped up about on the the washington side here we'll see if sean maybe comes back and has something to get hyped up about but i I feel it may not be the case but the thing that i think is the most exciting this week sean 
continues to be with the Saints is Chris Olave. He has six targets, five receptions, 102 yards and a touchdown and a 53-yard long with that impressive touchdown grab. I've just been so excited to see his development this season as a rookie, and that continues to happen. Andy Dalton is 260 yards and three touchdowns in this one, but it's probably the least exciting three touchdown game you'll see from a quarterback Stafford you mentioned is in the uh, concussion protocol so he misses a portion of this game with Bryce Perkins coming in Cam Akers led the backfield with 14 carries he gets 61 yards off those a real split backfield all around I guess you know the note to watch here maybe uh, Kyron Williams gets seven carries in this goes for 36 yards continues to to work a little bit more in but Henderson two for nine Tutu Atwell, Sean had a 62-yard reception for a touchdown, his only reception here. Alan Robinson gets in the end zone. But again, I don't think there's anything to be excited about. I'm going to ask you a question later about the Broncos. The Rams are another team that have cratered beyond belief this season. And unfortunately, now without Cooper Cup, I would expect that to continue. Sean, my my takeaway is Chris Olave is, is pretty good at, at NFL football. Yeah, he's right there on the right wide receiver one, wide receiver two, borderline, catches five of his six passes in this game, averages 20 yards per reception. You have a situation here with a young player who's getting the job done, even in circumstances that you could argue are not ideal. Andy Dalton on the verge of being benched after his performance last week. It's still a little bit unclear. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes. They say that Jameis Winston has a back injury that probably isn't going to get better. I don't know if that's a way of covering for him because they've made the decision that he is not the direction that they want to go, or if Dalton really is only playing because Winston cannot, but he has you know, one of the best games of his career. I think you could argue in this one, 21 for 25, 260 yards, three touchdowns. They also use Taysom Hill more liberally, which is something that really seemed like was missing the past couple of weeks. These teams come out and say, oh, we realized that we made a mistake. We should have been using this. I guess there's something to be said for admitting that. There's something to be said for using the player and taking a little bit of that congratulations in the press when it works well. But this was mystifying. I mean, Taysom Hill is, is not somebody we necessarily drafted. He is somebody we added after the big game. When you have a team like what the New Orleans Saints have, and you have a playmaker like Hill. Now, granted, he was not 100% either, and so you don't know if a tiny little bit of that and them admitting maybe their mistake is, again, just kind of covering for or a situation where if he had been completely healthy, it would have been a no-brainer. But, again, in 2022, for teams to have playmakers and not use them, it, it strains the... The bounds of reason there in a way that you don't necessarily care for Chris Olave, one of the top wide receivers now in all of Dynasty. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch his career. You had mentioned <laughs> that Washington-Houston game, and this one cracks me up, kind of as you said. When they were struggling, the commanders claimed that the only difference between them and the teams at the top of their division was quarterback play. I'm sure what they meant by that was Tyler Heineke going 15 for 27, not being able to throw for 200 yards, not being able to throw for a touchdown, the team rushing 40 times and completely ineffectively. I mean, completely ineffectively. <laughs> All right. So we're, we, at 
2022, in terms of things it has to offer, it has to offer you a game between Taylor Heineke and Davis Mills with guys like Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter not starting in the NFL. Sam Howell actually not starting for this commander's team. I I think when you are the Houston Texans and you're so far away from being competitive that there's some sense to trying to develop someone like Davis Mills and not continually jumping QB to QB, not necessarily doing what the Colts have done where you're trying out a new retread every season. But there's just simply not a lot in Davis Mills' background that would have suggested he could be successful at the NFL level at more than that bottom-level starter, maybe a very solid NFL backup. When you're developing your team over the long run. I mean, one of the things about losing is that you can accumulate a lot of picks, a lot of young players. You can sort of stash money, both from the owner's perspective in terms of how you manipulate the accounting of the salary cap to be able to then spend it later. Nothing that the Houston Texans have done has been in that direction. And even in terms of how they approach the draft, instead of swinging big with the picks that they have, They took a conservative approach, and they also have gotten both lucky and unlucky. Obviously, the the cancer diagnosis for their receiving weapon, very sad, and yet hopefully he is doing well. We still have some hopes for him and what his NFL career can be once he gets well. They appear to have hit on someone like Damian Pierce, but the problem is that when you let your roster fall into this level of disarray, then you have a game like this where a young David Montgomery-ish player, maybe a Josh Jacobs-ish player, has 10 carries for 8 yards. There's not really even that much that he can do about it. We know that Brandon Cooks doesn't want to be on the team. Their best player doesn't want to be on the team is another problem. He's also an aging veteran. Sure. And if Brandon Cooks is your best player, or even like a decent player on your team, that also is a problem because this is a guy who... Catches passes when he gets open. He does get open, but doesn't go out and make a play on the ball. He's been traded from team to team to team because he's kind of the guy who. The only team that doesn't want to trade him is the Houston Texans. (laughs) All the other teams wanted to trade him. (laughs) Right. So you have Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins. I mean, Chris Moore has had a big impact on this team this season. Again, cool for him. And you like to see these guys accomplish these things when they're given a chance, but. If you wanted to develop Davis Mills, then you needed to get him some possible weapons to do that. I don't know. We probably didn't need to have a Houston Texans segment. All of these things are more or less straightforward. The but- other note on this is anyone that did watch this or watch the highlights starts off with Tyler Heineke pretty much on the, the opening drive, throwing what is, should have been the easiest you know interception uh, in NFL history. The ball is dropped. The ball is punted away, and then it becomes time for Davis Mills to, to throw a pick six <laughs> to give it. So the quarterback play to start this game is is something quite comical if anyone wants to, to watch that back. But they're the, the best quarterback in this draft class lasted till the fifth round. And a quarterback who's a better prospect than some of the guys who are going to get picked in the first round this next year. So very efficient and forward-thinking moves by NFL front offices. It's cool to see Washington get a victory. Let's talk about some real NFL teams. They do have Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Jahan Dotson. 
And the leading receiver for the Washington Commanders was Logan Thomas. So again, that fits with everything that happened in the rest of this game. Yeah. So we'll talk about uh, someone who is a true contender this year and and won this game. And quite a an it was an interesting game to watch because we have the Buffalo Bills winning 31-23 against the Cleveland Browns. And it was a situation where Buffalo looked quite comfortable throughout. I seen it and at the sideline one time we see Diggs talking to the, the coaching staff. Doesn't look all that happy, but does come in shortly after that and catch a touchdown it was quiet day for him overall though five targets four receptions 48 yards one touchdown but i'm sure part of that conversation was around the fact that he wasn't getting targeted in the early portion of the game gabe davis gets seven targets dawson knox gets seven targets and one of his better games seven for seven for 70 yards for dawson knox sean somebody who i was all in on in the offseason and it's playing out quite well so far especially on any rosters that have Tony Pollard and Singletary, but Singletary goes 18 for 86 and one touchdown. And this one, he also has two receptions on two targets for 11 yards. James Cook also been sprinkled into the game, but Hines looks to be somebody who is going to be used mostly, you know, special teams at the minute as he works his way into maybe understanding that playbook. But the other side of this is Kareem Hunt was not very efficient overall but we have nick chubb with 14 carries for 19 yards which is really not something we see from him the the bills really shut him down in this one the success for the browns coming through the air jacoby Brissett is 324 yards three touchdowns no interceptions i was very low on amari cooper coming into the season we have kind of given amari cooper flowers on this show on multiple occasions to make up for that over the last couple of weeks but he is another huge day 12 targets eight receptions 113 yards two touchdowns continue everything i've said in the last couple of weeks let's just repeat that and uh, we'll skip over it but donovan peoples jones as well continues to look good over the last couple of weeks six targets five receptions 61 yards one touchdown the other one sean is and it's not a big thing in the stat sheet but it was back-to-back games of five targets for david bell but we do have 41 pass attempts for jacoby Brissett in this but he just goes four for 22 but since the bye he has gone back-to-back five target games which is obviously as a rookie is his best stretch here so there is positive signs potentially for him but he is clearly trailing behind cooper and people's jones at this point I, I was very surprised to see how well the bills were able to handle the situation with nick chubb and uh, then obviously cooper has a another monster day what were some of your takeaways from the the bills versus the the browns here as the the bills get to seven and three this was an odd one that in the end more or less plays out as we would expect the you other note have, sorry to interrupt but we get josh allen as well just 197 passing yards which it's just a strange kind of game to finish with 31 points if i say buffalo's getting 31 points here you're thinking josh allen's probably having a good a good run day here as well yeah, both of these teams really take a page out of the belichick playbook and say we're gonna stop the opponent's strength and make them go to their other pieces and see if that works out. And what happens then is you have the better team win. So if you're the Buffalo Bills, that's how it's supposed to work. And this is the pretty strong contrast between the Bills game here and what we said about the Philadelphia Eagles game the previous week, where you have to understand tactics within the game and the matchup in addition to what you're trying to do strategically, what you're trying to do from a big picture perspective. You also see great coaching from Sean McDermott and a sense of why he's built this Buffalo Bills team into such a juggernaut. We talk a lot about the different leadership styles of some of the best teams. And we know that 
Bill Belichick can be, you know, some, somewhat, you know, blunt, abrasive, but all business and very focused on the task at hand, the game at hand, every player executing their individual responsibility all the way through to the whistle on every single play. And that is the mentality that permeates the entire organization. You have a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, where you have Andy Reid's brilliance, not only as a play caller, but which is huge, but as a leader, where he's able to elevate his players and get a lot out of guys who other people maybe would not have and get the best version of that, even if the player is a solid NFL player and is going to succeed with any coach, he takes those guys not to the next level. I mean, you're still working within what a player can reasonably do, but he makes them the best version of themselves. You add that little bit to all of the guys across your entire organization, and all of those little bits add up in a huge way to make Andy Reid one of the best coaches in football. I thought the interaction here between McDermott and Stephon Diggs illustrated why the Bills are so good and why Stephon Diggs has been such a monster with Buffalo. That interaction, how he talks him down, how he gets him ready, and how Diggs goes back out and makes a key touchdown grab that completely flips this game. I mean, that just tells you everything you need to know about his leadership overall and the credibility that he's established within the team to where he can have that interaction with Diggs in a way that's very positive. If you haven't established your consistency and your credibility with your players, then you see what we've gotten from so many of these games where you have Kyler Murray lighting up his coach and Aaron Rodgers lighting up his coach. The difference between where the Bills are and where those teams are, I mean, you could say that part of it is just winning, right? And the, and the players are going to have a little bit more patience but those things are built in small ways all the time. It was a it was a really cool moment. And I, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Really awesome coaching. So I mean, even if you're not a Bills fan, again, that, that was cool. And <laughs> you can understand why it happens. Because Stefan Diggs is like, you know, they're blanketing me. You guys are going away from me. We're going to Devin Singletary. It's like, I don't have anything against Devin, but, but really, I mean, that's the way we're going to win the game. It's like, on the opposite side, you're letting Amari Cooper <laughs> destroy us. Like, did you not watch last week when Amari Cooper caught three passes? It's like, that's what Amari Cooper should be doing in 2022. But what the Bills decided to do was to not let Nick Chubb beat them. This is a guy who's averaged almost five and a half yards per carry over the last three years. So you're talking about a huge span of time. Right, a huge to be that dominant and to be that dominant when everybody knows it's coming, and then for the Bills to go out and do this. And one of the things that the Bills are dealing with here are a lot of defensive injuries. So we talk about them as being a potentially elite defense, often they are an elite defense. But one of the issues with defense is that you need to have both talent and continuity to be that good. It's one of the reasons why some of these defensive metrics have a hard time sustaining themselves all the way through a season because you're going to have those injuries. And it's not just losing the talent. It's losing the ability to execute because guys know what their teammates are going to do. So the Bills are dealing with this. They come out, they get lit up by Amari Cooper. Donovan Peoples-Jones, also a very solid game. Jacoby Brissett looks good. But the Bills take them out of how they win. You get a combined 51 rushing yards from Hunt and Chubb. The Browns are not able to control the game and control the ball. One of the issues that you have if you are the power team in these matchups 
and you're thinking about, again, the types of defenses that have been such a puzzle for opposing offenses in 2022 and, and reaching back into last season, is that you can keep them from getting over the top. You can keep them from scoring a lot of points on you. But it also opens them up to being able to really drip the game out, right? And if you were the Buffalo Bills and you have Josh Allen, you have that level of explosiveness, that's the very last thing that you want. You do not want the other team dictating the tempo in the game to you. This is the problem that the Eagles have run into. you got to go ahead, make those stops, say it's okay if we're beaten over the top. It's okay if Amari Cooper scores some points against us. As long as we have enough possessions, as long as we have a game where Josh Allen is going to have the ball in his hands, as long as we have this chance to outscore them, which is what they got done, you have that stretch where they go from being down 10-3 to up 28-10, where all of those things manifest in a manner that they're able to then not have another upset loss. Early on, it looked like that was a possibility as they're being forced to run and Singletary and James Cook both doing well. This is a huge game for them. They couldn't afford to fall another game behind the Dolphins, another game behind the Chiefs. It was a situation where you get very close to Kansas City losing and suddenly you'd be back at the same level with them. Obviously, you have the tiebreaker. Other things are going to come into play in terms of how their own division plays out they do get a little bit of help from the Patriots there although I'm sure that they're a lot more concerned about the Patriots big picture than they are about the Jets even with that loss to the Jets so this is a huge game for the Bills and I think that their tactics very successful if you're starting Nick Chubb probably not as happy but so many things that the Bills do right in this game I think you know very clearly but even beyond Josh Allen one of the best organizations of football. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. And the last one, Sean, best organization you just mentioned at the moment, uh, I think the Texans probably still fit that, but a team who we thought were going to be a good organization but are very much not a good organization at the moment in terms of their on-field play, that is the Denver Broncos. They lose this week again 22-16 to the Las Vegas Raiders. Both of these teams now 3-7. and seven. So neither team going in the direction they probably really want to be moving in. But we are, in terms of fantasy football, getting a lot more out of the Raiders, particularly in a concentrated spell. We have Josh Jacobs doing what he has done pretty much all season. He's 109 rushing yards in this one. Adds on then 51 yards through the air on three receptions. So he has his day again. Devontae Adams has 13 targets, seven receptions, 141 yards, two touchdowns. So he does what Devontae Adams does. But Sean, the part I want to ask you about is not that. We've talked through that on many occasions over the last couple of weeks the part i want to talk about is denver broncos heading into the season the expectations with some of the players obviously we get injuries that have happened um which is obviously unfortunate we lose some of their key players for the season but russell wilson has struggled so bad you mentioned recently that might be one of the worst contracts in nfl history when all is said and done melvin garden is waived after this game disappointing item for him but obviously more disappointing for him is to get waived then we have chase edmonds who has recently been acquired in a trade he has a high ankle sprain likely to miss multiple weeks this team with the expectations we had heading into the season the likes of albert o you know jerry judy unfortunately on the injury side of things um, javante williams got injured as well is this one of the biggest 
I guess, fantasy vacuums, I guess we'll call it, where the expectations heading into the season versus what we actually have received to date at this point of the season? I don't know that I can remember anything similar. I mean, obviously you have disappointing teams. I think that the Atlanta Falcons and what they have done offensively this year has to count as one of the biggest travesties in terms of maximizing your talent and using your players. But but they didn't have the, they didn't the have the balls I mean, around them. I mean, they didn't have sure, balls. I mean, no, no. I mean, not even remotely similar. And so you could have a team like the Falcons that has been a massive disappointment, and it's not even in the same universe <laughs> as what we're getting here from the Denver Broncos. It's not just that Russell Wilson has been disappointing. He's been a massive bust. To have him play this poorly is is shocking. And that's even for those of us who thought it was just a miraculous trade that the Seahawks have pulled off. I mean, I, I loved the trade and still <laughs> thought that Russell Wilson would be a positive for the Denver Broncos. It again is a situation where once you start to make bad choices as, as an organization, it can snowball. Because the move and the overpay for Wilson, the risk that you take for an aging QB who has struggled in his career to succeed in the way that most quarterbacks succeed. And there's a huge difference in terms of short passers between a Drew Brees and a Russell Wilson in the way that they get things done. And that doesn't have to be a knock on Russell Wilson prior to this season at all. Because he's someone who, despite not having the traditional drop back and throw ability had been one of the most efficient, dynamic, explosive passers ever and had led the Seahawks to multiple Super Bowls. So his accomplishments as an NFL player are, I mean, they withstand this. I mean, it's, this part of it is going to keep him from being one of the all-time greats. But any criticisms that you have of him and how he played for the Seahawks are more about projecting out the future and what might happen with a different organization than they were specifically what happened in Seattle. Now, it does look a little bit like the internal battle, the you know the sort of office politics dynamic with Pete Carroll and some of the Seahawks coaches, the front office, the way that they deployed him and this controversy about whether they were holding him back or vice versa not that he was holding back the Seahawks I don't think that you can make that claim but it does now look like the offenses that they used him in were probably a better fit for his talents than than it seemed like at the time and a lot of this goes back to again to this idea of running the ball too much and limiting your team voluntarily that way you know was there a happy medium between what they did and what Russell Wilson might have liked to have done that would have been Better for them, probably, and yet we can see now what some of the problems are. But the flip side of that is just that Russell Wilson, obviously a declining talent, the inability to extend plays and to make those plays down the field, you have both athleticism and arm strength issues that were not simply not there in the past, but you do run into the risk with on an aging quarterback of this specific profile. And so you look at the Broncos and them chasing the past because they are so desperate for quarterback play. It really has been a complete and total collapse. They haven't been able to keep K.J. Hamler healthy. It seemed like he would be an interesting player, specifically within the context of this offense. I think that Greg Dulcich is a good buy right now, but he has 
gotten less hot after he started his career in a very big way, a way that created even a bigger contrast between him and Albert O. And you're thinking, okay, well, the team at least was right about this. The Dolchich can be a star and these other guys weren't. And yet the problem now is that those games look a little bit fluky. But, but I mean, who's going to succeed here? You have Cortland Sutton trying his best and failing. Sutton, someone else who probably promoted ahead of what he'd actually done by the fantasy community. That was one of the reasons that we were on Jerry Judy. But, I mean, being on Jerry Judy has obviously not worked out because <laughs> that guy is made of paper, more or less. So, I mean, can you can you reasonably re- start Judy anytime in the next three years? As soon as you start him, he's going to get injured on the first play. I, <laughs> I just... So, so you go back to the situation with the Denver Broncos and I don't know. I mean, if you're a fan of one of the other AFC West teams, then I guess it's humorous. If you're a fan of, of football in general and, and just don't want to see these guys like real lives. I mean, just like with the injury situation, and I know that I emphasize this a lot and people are going to be like, Sean, I mean, it's for fun and, and part of the fun is rooting against people and, you know, it's a competition if everybody got to win, you know, it would be little league, but I mean, these are real people. And to see there, I mean, you think about what happens for famous people as they get older in far too many circumstances and how it's difficult to go from being someone who's important and a star and in the limelight to someone who is not necessary. I mean, none of us are ordinary, right? None of us are mundane. I mean, you have to choose who you are and how you want to live and who you want to be and your inner life your internal thoughts are going to determine how happy you are, the quality of your interactions, all of those types of things. You have control over that. You have to take control over it and be the person that you want to be. But there's no question also that external factors are going to wear on you and and have an effect. And so, you know, again, real people who go from being superheroes to being goats, that's very, very tough. So in the same way that you have injury issues, that really hurt people's lives. I mean, this season has been very rough for the coaches and players in Denver whose lives have taken a very bad turn. I mean, we think about, you know, having a fantasy team that doesn't win and you're like, well, that really spoiled my 2022. <laughs> like imagine what it's been like for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I mean, our, our fantasy teams are more important. Well, I mean, but you think about how, how, I mean, it's important to you. And I think that sometimes people can demote, their leisure activities too much in terms of the importance of them. One of the reasons why we talk about fantasy football, one of the reasons why people enjoy it. And one of the reasons why the OT community exists, why the fantasy football community exists, why all of these things are happening is because it does matter. I mean, there is meaning and there is purpose to your leisure time activities and to your entertainment. If you don't have leisure activities and you don't have entertainment that you enjoy and you find meaning in, then, I mean, again, that, that, causes a a real issue with quality of life and so it matters to us but obviously it is a little different in terms of of how it matters to them i just want to say here too it's not important to note necessarily everybody knows but Devontae adams 7 141 and 2 against one of the nfl's better defenses when everybody knows it's coming i mean how, how is he doing that you have a situation here with las vegas where the reports over the last week are that either Josh McDaniels is going to be gone or Derek Carr is going to be gone. 
probably exaggeration. Within the context of a team that is so bad that either the coach or the quarterback has to go, Devontae Adams is eviscerating the competition and can't be stopped despite the Raiders having no other offensive weapons. I mean, you can talk about Josh Jacobs in the run game, but we know that that doesn't actually affect your passing game performance. Just astonishing. And it's no, been fun. Devontae to Adams, Sean, is, uh, in my opinion, I don't know if this will happen when it comes to it because he doesn't have the rings to back it up, but I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer as a wide receiver. I think he's the one of the greatest wide receivers that we've ever seen play in the NFL. Is that a hot take? I don't know if this is an important, uh, an appropriate time to mention it because there's no appropriate time to mention something for the billionth occasion. But it almost seems like if Cooper Cup doesn't win last year's MVP, that there is a receiver who <laughs> made a certain team unbelievably successful the last couple of years, and that maybe there is a receiver who should be back-to-back NFL MVPs. I wonder, Sean, can is there a can you set up a petition to remove the last two MVPs for Aaron Rodgers and we'll give them to Devontae Adams? Well, I mean, wouldn't everybody be behind that? I mean, isn't it clear at this he point is incredible. That he's, abso- he's absolutely the, incredible. Yeah. So anyway, obviously Aaron Rodgers, a solid quarterback, but Devontae <laughs> Adams, one of the greatest of all time at wide receiver. You can see it with the Raiders. You can see it previously with the Packers. Colin, you and I drafted quite a bit of Devontae Adams controversial because stefan Diggs there controversial because cd lamb there and lamb is coming on even though he didn't have a great game Devonte adams is now ahead of justin jefferson obviously they go in very different directions this past week but the scope of his performance just astonishing he is incredible he is and, and this is another important thing to note is like you know after his first two seasons basically in the nfl people were casting him aside you know who are particularly people playing dynasty with some of these players who maybe haven't hit just yet there was a, a very rocky road for the start for Devontae adams and green bay with Aaron Rodgers and and how things have played out since and i used to say it i haven't said it Sean, since he left the packers but Devontae adams is usually says that he's a top two nfl receiver in the nfl and he's not number two and uh, at the moment again he's he's making a case for that there's been a couple of down weeks he just amazing the, the things he can do on the, the nfl field so fun to to watch him play not as much fun as when he was in in green and gold for the packers but uh still fun to see him playing out there sean did tease it earlier and we are going to be doing a show later this week and the kind of spirit of the week that is in it we're coming up to thanksgiving we'll be doing some things that we are thankful for thankful to see players make plays like Devonte adams did this week though we will be back to drop that show for you it may even pop out on wednesday pre-thanksgiving to check out so we'll have that ready for you in the road of his overtime podcast feed make sure you are subscribed to get those shows once they go live hopefully you've enjoyed today's show and of course the rest of the games if you haven't heard the opening recap show that came out on monday check that one out on the road of his overtime podcast feed as well today's show is brought to you by blue wire and WinBet. thank you to them again for their support of the podcast And until we are back with that show that I teased a moment ago, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at OverTomArland. And of course, check out all Sean's work on rotaviz.com. And until we are back, have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.